Hey Trekkies, and welcome to Trek Freaks, part of the Geek Freaks Network. On this podcast, we analyze and review every episode of Star Trek, starting all the way back with the original series. I'm Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by Jonathan. Hey, hey, how's it going, Kevin? Oh, dude, it's going great. Uh, for now, until we start talking about this episode, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Uh, so today I'm- we're talking about the original series, Season 1, Episode 27, The Alternative Factor. <laughs> um... Let's just get it out of the way. What did you think of this episode? I hated it. This is has okay. to. I mean, I, I I like Star Trek. I love Star Trek, but this has to be the worst episode, at least of the original series that that I've seen yet. Yeah, I I completely uh, completely agree. It's gonna be fun to talk about. Uh, th- I I typically have more fun talking about the bad episodes than I do the good ones anyway. Yeah. Though the good ones are really good to talk about too, and I can't wait for next week. <laughs> yes that's that's the uh i don't know what you call it, silver lining or something that we know next week's episode is a really good one so <laughs> we got something to look forward to yeah yeah um i do have a question for you who has the best dialogue in the original series and this question is from stephen haddock mm, what's the best dialogue i'd have to say kirk i mean he's obviously scripted with the most powerful lines and stuff Though I think the best dialogue that he has is always his witty little banter that he has with Spock at the end of the episodes, usually. Yeah, I was going to say something similar. If I'm going to um, go with one person, I'm going to say McCoy has the best one-liners, I mm. think. Okay. But when it comes to banter back and forth, it's got to be Kirk, because Kirk with Spock and Kirk with McCoy, especially mm. those little end scenes at the end of every episode, those are pretty good, I, I, especially for the time, so... Yeah, I'd say I'm going to give the answer to McCoy just for the one-liners that he has, especially the I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. And <laughs> I'm beginning to think I could cure a rainy day, stuff like that. He's, he's, he's great. True, true. All right. All right. Well, without any further ado, let's get to the Warp Speed Recap. The Enterprise is in orbit of a seemingly unremarkable planet. No life is detected. Just as they're about to finish cataloging the planet and return to a nearby starbase, a strange phenomenon occurs. Everything everywhere just winked out. Suddenly, a life form is detected on the planet. Kirk and crew beam down to investigate. On the planet, yelling from atop a cliff, You came! Thank the heavens! Then the guy falls off the cliff. That's a pretty great first impression. Uh, (laughs) The guy's injured, uh, but he'll live. His name is Lazarus, and he... He is a little too interested in the dilithium crystals aboard the Enterprise. He tells Kirk that he needs them to fight his enemy, an enemy that destroyed the world from which Lazarus originated. After a lot of nothing, two different sets of dilithium crystals were stolen from the Enterprise. <laughs> After a lot of nothing, I'm sorry, that was, I caught myself off guard with that one. <laughs> Each set taken from a different Lazarus. Yep, there are two of him from different universes. A positive and a negative universe. After some more crappy writing, nausea-inducing camera shots, and clumsy interdimensional fisticuffs, Kirk and the negative Lazarus concoct a plan, one that would trap both versions of Lazarus in a strange cosmic safety valve for all of eternity in order to save both universes from canceling each other out. The plan is successful. Both universes are saved. Kirk and crew are free to uh, to leave the planet toward their next adventure. But what of Lazarus? And what of Lazarus? <laughs> I like the double question. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. that was just a, a messy episode. 
I had a lot of fun writing that little recap, I gotta say. Yeah. And reading back through it, the interdimensional clumsy fisticuffs or something, <laughs> whatever. I, that, I, I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the silver lining of this episode, I think. So this, there's so many issues with this episode. I watched, it has been almost two weeks since I actually watched it and, uh, you know, did some, some rough notes. So I'm sure I'm missing a lot in between. Um, but it, it took me a while, obviously, to realize that there was two of them and how all that played out and stuff like that. Uh, but the story overall, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It just didn't, it wasn't like, uh, building up anticipation for a turn that you find out and then it's like, oh, cool, that's what's going on. It was just, it was just didn't seem like it was written well. I don't know. Yeah. So I did look into that a little bit and there was some changing of the script, I think, while they were, either while they were shooting or before it was finalized. Um, the original script, uh, Lieutenant Masters, the, uh, the engineering lady that was tending to the dilithium crystals in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she was supposed to be like falling for Lazarus, but they cut that because they thought that was too close to uh, the con episode. Oh, okay. She was going to turn on the crew and everything. And uh, the other guy was supposed, the guy that was working with her was supposed to be like a boyfriend character in that episode. And they got rid of all of that. So I think they had to kind of expand on the stuff that didn't work very well. (laughs) Yeah. Fill in the rest of the gaps. Okay. That makes sense. Then some, some audible last minute uh, changes. Yeah. I don't know if they ever, if that stuff ever made it to the, the, the floor when they were shooting or if it was just the original script and then they had to try to rework the script prior to shooting. But yeah, I I, almost makes me want to cut it a little slack, but not that much. Yeah. Not much. (laughs) <laughs> and winked out. Where did that come from? I'm like, yeah. I, w- I, I just couldn't understand how they use the term winked out as like a, a ripple in time, a, like a blip, like everything changed at once. But right. they, they, they use that term as if it's like a common terminology that everybody just winked at the same time. There's <laughs> <laughs> a shifted space. Everybody, everybody got a quick uh, glitch. I don't know. <laughs> that was weird. I, 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 it was the, yeah. There had to have been a different way that Spock could have been explaining to Kirk that he doesn't know what happened, other than using a term like "winking out." Yeah, but I don't know. I didn't write it. I write the episode. It'd probably be a lot worse if I did. So, nah, I don't think so. Your recap <laughs> makes it sound better than it was. So, <laughs> I don't know. Well, at the beginning of the episode, Enterprise is in orbit of a planet. We've seen that a few times, but. It's nice to see them already on a mission when we start an episode. I like that when it starts off like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're charting the world. It seems unremarkable. And then all of a sudden Spock yells, Captain! And uh, the ship seems to be hit by something. Mm -hmm. The visual effects are weird uh, with the transparent image of a nebula flashing over the the camera shot. And they use that over. They use it so many times in this episode. And it's like the cheapest effect I've ever seen in Star Trek. It's yeah. so poorly done. It doesn't convey that and the, the blue spirit fight thing they do. It just is a very bad way of depicting what they're trying to show us, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when we see the, I want to talk about it now, when we get to later on when they're like in the, the, the negative like safety valve area and they're like fighting slowly yeah. and it does the whole spinning on the camera thing. Oh, yeah. With, with over time. That always reminds me of like a, like a Batman episode from the 60s with like the papers. <laughs> the <spinning>. transitions, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it kept reminding me of. I'm like, I, 
I don't think they mean to be evoking Batman, but it <laughs> yeah, seems that way. It, it just comes out as really cheesy. Like they're right. it's like they maybe this was a new director that hasn't worked on Star Trek before or something. I didn't see who directed it, but yeah, this didn't come out very good. It was directed by Gerd Oswald. I don't know that name doesn't sound familiar. Hmm. But yeah, I yeah, it was weird. Um <laughs> There's another impact. Spot claims that both impacts or that both times the impacts happen, everything within range of the ship was on the verge of winking out. Kirk asks him to uh, give him the facts, and Spock says, "Those are the facts, Captain." And yeah, I, I guess that's Spock's way of saying that he doesn't know what the heck just happened. On the verge of winking out. Yeah, I still was it the molecular dis. Decohesion or whatever, like what? What is winking out? I, uh, I, I think it means on the verge of just not existing anymore. Uh huh. That I don't know. Like he, he goes on to explain it a little bit. Says that the magnetic field of the solar system blinked, and the gravity on the planet there became zero. It became non-existence. I, that was a bunch of like. I know we've talked about, especially you talked about how you like the the sci-fi uh, techno babble. But yeah. this wasn't that. Yeah, this is somebody that doesn't know how to techno babble trying to explain it briefly. Right. Um, so I'm thinking like a Thanos style, you know, snapshot kind of thing. Like for just a split second, somebody right. made everything disappear and then it all came back and there was a shift in all electromagnetic waves and gravity and all that kind of stuff. That seems like that would destroy a whole lot of things, though. Yeah, um, that. That does. That seems like just changing gravity like that, even on one planet, would just immediately shift things and yeah. destroy and have cosmic effects. Though it was on the verge of things disappearing and verge of right. you know winking out. So, what happens if it doesn't happen? You almost <laughs> you almost disappeared, but you didn't. Did you slightly phase out of your space? It's uh, like uh, Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> he almost yeah. doesn't exist. Slowly disappear. <laughs> um, and suddenly there's a life form on the planet now uh, that wasn't there before. And it's evidently human, or it seems very close to human. Mm -hmm. So Spock, Kirk, and four security crew beam down to the planet's surface. Kirk points out a crashed spaceship pod thing. What did you think of that spaceship? That looked, it, it looked like what we would imagine way back in the day that yeah. spaceships would look like. I get like in the 60s. Okay. Yeah. That looks like the Jetsons ship. Like right. that is exactly what it looks like. But it's for Star Trek. Come on, guys. I mean, yeah. it should be a little more high tech looking than that. Yeah. Especially when we figure out that this guy does actually have some technology that we haven't seen before. So yeah. you'd think it'd be a little bit higher tech than it was, but yeah, I'm thinking of that time time ship that Spock uses in the newer movies where it like rotates in different directions and stuff like that <laughs> looks future, like super future tech. And this right. is supposed to be a time ship as well, right? or interdimensional ship, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the time travel gets brought up in this episode, but I don't even know if that was true. Like I'm, I don't think it was, yeah. but I don't know. It was he says that he's a time traveler. So, yeah, I don't know what ended up sticking as canon in this episode and what just ended up being him lying to try to get dilithium crystals somehow. But yeah. Um, yeah, as they start approaching that spaceship, that's when you hear the you came. Thank the heavens. There's still time we can stop him. But I need help. Um, 
and then the guy falls off the cliff. <laughs> Did you hear the the Wilhelm scream there though? It sounded like a Wilhelm scream. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was. Uh, and I mean, to give them a little bit of grace, that was good filming in the fact that he fell, you know, kind of behind the rock and then they come around the corner to see it right. and then he's already laying on the ground. Like, I get that's, I mean, that's classic filming, but, uh, you know, that was, it wasn't, wasn't done too bad. You didn't have to watch him make an impact and right. all that stuff. Uh, back on the ship, Kirk is informed that whatever impacted the ship earlier caused the dilithium crystals to nearly completely drain. And they have 10 hours left until orbit decays. This never got brought back up in the, the episode. Yeah. And I, I, it makes me think like we've seen, a, we've heard a little bit about like their batteries running low and stuff. And at least now they established that they use dilithium as their main energy source. But I wanted to learn, and we'll learn throughout the more episodes too, I'm sure. But the actual, like how dilithium works. I know now uh, in um, the newer series, Discovery. Uh, they talk a lot about dilithium because of the burn and stuff like that. So we we learn a lot more about it now. But I wonder back then what they how they kind of techno babble explain their ships using it and stuff. Yeah, and I think at some point there's a we might have even already talked about it. Wasn't there an episode where they had trilithium? I think so. Yeah, it, yeah. but it wasn't very stable or something. Something like that. Yeah, it's like Stargate SG One when they introduced Naquita and then Quadria. I think it was the same. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've been watching Stargate on the side. Oh, nice. man, I love that show so much. Nice. <laughs> Makes me want to start a Gate Freaks. <laughs> hey, once we get through, we got years worth of Star Trek to get through. I'm down to go into other sci-fis once we get through all these. Heck, yeah. Um, Right then, the Enterprise receives a message from Starfleet Command. It's code factor one, which means invasion status. Now, didn't we just hear in a recent episode that Code One was war? Yes. Oh, okay. but this is Code Factor One, uh, which is no, it's different. Yeah, I I think it meant to be the same thing, but they didn't know who the enemy was, the quote unquote enemy was, so they mm. labeled it as an invasion rather than war because they didn't know who to who they were declaring war on. I guess I don't uh, know. Little sticky. Little too, Where's the yeah. person that's supposed to keep all the information in order? Come on, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. A little too fast and loose with these codes. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCoy tells Kirk that the guy that fell off the cliff will live. Um, Kirk is talking to a Commodore at Starfleet Command on the screen, which you don't see this very often. Uh, Kirk actually talking to somebody at Starfleet Command. Like, True. Yeah. You, you, there's messages back and forth, but it's nice to see because it happens a lot in the next generation where Picard's talking to like a, an admiral or something it happens all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen that often in this series. So it's kind of cool to see that continuity. Yeah. I think it's probably a lot easier later down the road when video handling and transferring right. is a lot easier. So yeah, you pop a tape into a VCR instead of having to wind up a projector reel or something. Right. As we're trying to figure out how to get our discord into OBS for right. the video to work. <laughs> hopefully this uh, works <laughs> um the the commodore says the that the phenomenon that impacted the ship happened everywhere throughout the galaxy he says in all quadrants of the galaxy it emanated from the planet that the enterprise is currently at they don't know if it's a natural phenomenon or if it's man-made and it's kirk's job to find out no other ships are coming to help 
Kirk says that the Enterprise is the bait. And it, he understands, but yeah. The way the way they describe it here that it emanates from that planet, it reminded me of the Year of Hell episodes and that time ship and how it would like make a change in Voyager and make a change to the to history or to, you know, to the timeline. And then it would send a shockwave out from it. And as the wave would go, it would change, you know, space. I so got you. That's what I'm visualizing when, I, when they're talking about that. Putting it, uh, comparing it to an episode that it has no right to be compared to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, a, that was a good episode. <laughs> trying of to steal here. some logic that was planted later on down the road. Right. Put it in here. Hey, if it helps make this episode make any more sense, <laughs> then I'm all for it. Hopefully. Uh, the plan is for Spock to investigate the planet where Kirk learns what what he wait what okay let me retry that sentence again. <laughs> the plan is for Spock to investigate the planet while Kirk learns what he can from their new visitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk goes to sick bay to talk to the man. Um, he claims to be chasing the devil's son, a hideous murdering monster. And that's when I remembered what this episode was, because I watched this episode probably 2005, 2006, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And it I held the memories of this fucking episode <laughs> <laughs> for like 16 years since the last time I saw it. Wow. And immediately facepalmed. Like, <laughs> it was. Yeah, I was really hoping at this point because I've had I've had memories of other episodes that we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. and. Episodes that I thought were bad, like the Romulan episode, when I first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it this time. I mm-hmm. forgot what the, the episode was called, but it's the one episode that I've had a, a Romulan in it so far. So I was hoping that this would be the same case, that I would remember disliking the episode, not take that bias with me into this viewing and actually enjoy it this time. No. No. Doesn't work. This <laughs> one's <laughs> not too bad. So- <laughs> uh the guy goes on to say that this monster has destroyed his entire civilization and he's on a mission to hunt down the monster and kill it. Kirk decides to help to the extent that it will help save the ship, mm-hmm. which is a good perspective to take into this because you don't want to be like, yeah, I'm going to help you kill your enemy, not knowing anything about your enemy. Yeah. But not, if it's something. He doesn't even know like who's good, who's bad and what it, it will take right. to save, you know, the galaxy or, or anything like that. So it's like. As long as it's a threat to my ship, I'll work to stop him with you. But otherwise, I'm not involved in your little feud you got going on. Um, did you hear him na- like n- hear the name Lazarus at this point in the episode? Because I didn't hear it until a little bit later, like uh, very close to this. I don't remember. Uh, I, I thought it was up, it was in the beginning, but but I think you're right. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I didn't hear it, but it could have been. I, I thought it was really weird because... N- Next, they go back to the planet, and that phenomenon happens again, and the guy is yelling, uh, monster, monster, and runs off to try to fight it, mm-hmm. find it. I don't know what he's doing at that point, but that's when I heard that his name is Lazarus, and Kirk just said it like so casually like we were supposed to have already known, so I'm guessing I missed something. Maybe, yeah, because I, I, I remember like knowing his name was Lazarus, trying to see if there was like a biblical connection or whatever, uh, which there's not that I could see, but. Uh, I did it was to me it wasn't like shocking that like all of a sudden they said his name was Lazarus so I think they must have introduced him probably when he was in sick bay uh, with the doctor but 
Yeah, that's what I was guessing too, but I, yeah. So I thought that when when they have these like shockwaves, this, this blipping or whatever, that's the other dimension version of him trying to switch places or something, right? I think so. Okay. And that, then they do that little blue shadow fight, that negative exposure fight or whatever. Right. Looks terrible. With the but. rotating, slowly rotating camera in slow motion. Yeah. And so that's, that's our version of him or the, you know, the positive fighting the negative. And then whichever one wins possesses our our galaxy or whatever, our space, our dimension. That's what. Yeah. Uh, okay. That makes a little more sense analyzing it now, but it didn't make sense when I was watching it. I was like, what What am I even watching? What is this? <laughs> like, all of a sudden, they're negative exposure. And did somebody just mess up on the reel or what? Yeah, I, I think it was a decent way to try to not have to cast a a body double that looked very much like him. You know, they could do anybody with that kind of lens with that kind of exposure with the negative lens on there, the negative effect. Yeah. They could pretty much have anybody fighting him as long as they're the same height, then it, it could be clear that they're supposed to be the same person and not think too hard about it. Well, we've seen in the past, they don't care if your double looks that much like you. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've, we've clearly <laughs> seen the faces. Yeah. He could have a colored wig that's similar and that's about it. Um, what was the point, do you think, of them slowing it down when they were in there and making it so, like, I'm going to get you, and they were, like, just holding each other around the neck slowly, yeah. trying to choke each other? It was... I, I think, it like, they probably didn't film enough of that fight, so they got to put it in slow-mo so it looks more <laughs> dramatic, like he's slowly grabbing his neck instead of just, I got your neck, and then I'm going to set you down, and then five seconds later, the whole scene's over. It's like, oh, no, we need it to be a, a nine or 12-second scene, so drag it out a little bit. Yeah, that makes more sense than what I was thinking. I was thinking it was, uh, they were just trying to throw as many effects into that as possible to make it look so vastly different than everything else in the episode. Yeah, it could be that too. It definitely looked different. I just don't think in a good way. <laughs> no, yeah, I 100% agree. Like, it, I would have been more happy to have a really terrible body double and they're fighting amongst uh, like dry ice steam or something. So it looks like they're in the spirit world or something like that. And, and the two of them, you know, duke it out, maybe have some, some weird lighting effects around or something to make it more exciting, but that would look so much better than this negative exposure deal. Right, right. With spinning um, cameras. After Lazarus gets back out of that, he's yelling kill, 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 kill. The storm ends. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just the first time this happens, too. Um, back on the Enterprise, Kirk and Spock are trying to discuss what the phenomena may actually be, given what little information that they have about it. All Spock can say with some degree of certainty is that they seem to occur, the, the blips, the winking out, whatever, seem to occur at the exact same time that Lazarus is in his fights with the other version of him, which we don't know that that's who that is at the time. Yeah. But when he's in his uh, negative zone, as, I, as I'm calling it, uh, that's when the winking out occurs. Yeah. Uh, in sick boy, sick boy. <laughs> in, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> in sick bay, uh, McCoy tells Kirk that the scrape on Lazarus's forehead uh, was ban that was bandaged up has miraculously healed. Uh, he's, we see Lazarus in the mess hall overhearing two crew members talk about dilithium crystals he immediately perks up and he starts it looks like he's gonna 
follow them, but he doesn't go the same direction as them. Mm-hmm. I little little weird there. Yeah, like he just realized, oh wait, they have dilithium on the ship. I didn't know that, and so they're gonna go whatever back to work, and he's now gonna track down the dilithium and go a different direction. But you I assume, assume that, that they're the other talking two about it. Go- they're, yeah, they're going that direction, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Following them, <laughs> but he starts to have his whole fight with his with the other version of himself again. Mm-hmm. Um, this time after the fight is over. Uh, the original, the one with that was originally there, is back with a bandage on his forehead, and that's when Kirk and McCoy walk up to him. And McCoy, th- Kirk thinks that Bones is playing an elaborate prank unquote, on him, elaborate prank on him. Yeah, uh, saying that the guy lost his, that the guy's forehead was healed. He didn't have the bandage anymore, and it turns out that's not the case. So what I'm seeing is that when he changes the positive and negative version of him change dimensions, right? They fight what the good one loses. So the bad one possesses him for a while. The bad one doesn't have that cut on his head. Why is it that they're kind of changing spirits or whatever inside their bodies? Cause they don't physically change places, but then his body does change to some extent. The cut changes, but the bandage that he applied in this dimension is still there. You know what I mean? Well, I think it is actually the body that go that is going through because you see that he's standing in like a different position. Like they they had the him mirrored when he came back when the negative one or the positive one came back. Uh-huh. He was mirrored from where the negative one was standing originally. Okay, so, so I think they are just passing through that safety valve. Okay, so they're physically changing locations, positions. Yeah, but I I believe yeah. so. So the one that didn't have a cut must have found a bandage and put it on his head to pretend like he had a cut still, right? Sure. I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't, he did. We didn't see him do that. But the fact that they changed bodies, one was cut and had a bandage. They they switched locations, so the other guy doesn't have a cut, so he doesn't have a bandage on his head. So well, this is when the one that had the bandage came back. Yeah, but between those, oh, 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 when he was in in um, the mess hall, did he not have a bandage on his head at all? No, he didn't at that point. Oh, okay, that's what I'm missing. Then all right, that seems that makes more sense. Because I keep thinking that they're just possessing the same body, and then he has a cut, and then it goes away, and then it comes back. Oh, but okay, I got gotcha. you. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, their their bodies are swapping, and he didn't have and still have the bandage when he swapped. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> this is a confusing um, episode. Yeah, and it has no right to be this confusing either. Yeah. Um, in engineering, Lieutenant Masters is. Lieutenant Masters was one of the people that was talking about the dilithium crystals mm-hmm. in the mess hall when uh, Lazarus overheard. Uh, she is tending to the crystal-powered engine. Lazarus knocks out the other crewman that is with her. And then, as Masters is talking to Kirk over the comms, Lazarus injects her with something that makes her pass out. Why wouldn't he wait until she's clearly done talking with the captain of the ship before taking her out? Just a couple seconds. It doesn't take long. Yeah, that was that was kind of poor planning on his side for sure. That was just <laughs> dumb. Yeah, it's like even when I'm like playing Hitman or Splinter Cell or something, I still wait until the people are done with their conversation before I take them out. Even though in the video game it doesn't really matter, but <laughs> it's like in my mind, it's like no, I'm gonna do this right. <laughs> right. Uh, two dilithium crystals are missing now. It's presumed that 
Is this negative lat positive lat? It's one of the Lazaruses. <laughs> one of the one of those guys uh, has taken two dilithium crystals. I think at this point it's the negative one that has mm -hmm. taken them. So he gets his first. Which one has the cut on his head? The negative or the positive? The positive. The positive one. I think right? it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the positive one that has the cut on the forehead. Okay, because when he didn't have the cut, he's the one that was trying to go like find the dilithium, you know, sneaking around, right. and then he switched, and yeah, then bones. Right asked about his cut again right okay. um at this point i honestly don't know if uh because kirk is trying to ask who took the dilithium and he automatically he automatically suspects that it was lazarus that took him mm -hmm. i don't know if lazarus is aware at this point it seems like he isn't aware of what's actually going on that there's another one of him like he plays so dumb it's yeah, and that whole thing about, you know, his enemy and stuff like that, the way he portrays it is there's another person that, that he's fighting, but that would make sense that he doesn't doesn't realize that the other person looks like him and take, you know, they trade places or something like that, but how could he not when, right. when he loses and he's in, you know, the negative universe or whatever, he's got to know where he's at, he's got to know he's not still on, you know, he's not in Kansas anymore, but. Exactly, and that's what's so frustrating about this is that. We know as the audience at this point, most of what's going on, even if we can't explain how they're trying to explain it, mm -hmm. um, we know what's going on, but Lazarus should know what's going on. And you would think at this point he should be explaining it to Kirk. I think they try to explain that away in this episode by saying that this positive Lazarus is unstable. He's mentally unstable. He's gone crazy. Okay. Yeah. It's just. And I get like maybe he, he it seemed like he was trying to lie to Kirk from the beginning and hide the truth of what's going on. Maybe he doesn't want maybe he doesn't want other people to, you know, take his interdimensional ship and, and use that power, you know, for other things or whatever. But it's it's just too confusing. It's not it just doesn't make for a good story. We need him to explain, even if it's in his private diary or something like that, explain your thought process so we can understand what you're doing and compare you know, you versus the evil you and have somebody to root for. But right now, both of you seem like you're evil and we don't understand why. Right. Yeah. Um, and obviously, whenever we talk about different universes, parallel universes in Star Trek specifically, we haven't seen the mirror universe yet at this point, mm -mm. but it always makes me think of the mirror universe and yeah. how often and how much better utilized the mirror universe is within Star Trek than this negative universe that never gets brought up again, thankfully. Yeah. Unless the negative universe is the, the mirror universe. Maybe. And the safety valve just doesn't occur in the other instances where the mirror universe occurs. That could be, yeah, that could be a part of their technology or something like that. The way they travel between them, there's a buffer zone or something. But we see in recent episodes of Discovery, it might be the newest one. I just got caught up. Uh, recently they do mention one of the scientists whatever mentions that like oh yeah there's the there's the mirror universe and he's like well that you think that's the only other universe there's you know right. infinite universes and it's like ooh, that's cool now we're gonna get some more interdimensional inner you know multiverse kind of stuff going on in star trek so yeah. i like it i'm excited stargate's multiverse was pretty fun whenever they brought up the uh, brought in parallel universes like it was just copy after copy after copy of SG-1 <laughs> and they were all just a little bit different than the last. It, nice. yeah. 
I like it because it more for humor. You establish certain rules and then you could twist and bend them however you want. You could put, you know, the two people that hated each other are now madly in love. And the <laughs> ship was, you know, actually destroyed in this one event. So now they're on a different ship. You could change all kinds of stuff and make it so much more interesting. So, right. I like it. Um, Kirk orders a search party to go back to the planet to investigate the source of this radiation. There's some radiation that appeared on the planet and they don't know where it came from. Yeah, they can um, like they can see it. Was it, they can see it on their sensors, but then they can't find the source of it, right? They could just see the radiation, right. and Spock's like, "There's, there's no scientific reasoning why there would be a radiation without a source. It doesn't make sense." Right. And when they go back to the planet, Spock can't find anything. There's no crystals, no no stolen dilithium crystals, no source of the radiation, nothing. Mm. And then we just see people walking for a little bit across the mountains and. It's just just filler scenes. I think they needed to fill some time, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, they did a whole five k. It was a pretty long walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the phenomenon happens again. Uh, we see a very poorly shot, very poorly fought fight. Um, the unbandaged Lazarus falls from a very high cliff and lands next to Kirk, saving Kirk from falling rocks in the in the process. Mm-hmm. And back to sick bay with another Lazarus. I love your notes, though. <laughs> when people, uh, some people get access to our notes, right? <laughs> I love oh, reading, yeah, yeah. especially your your notes are so much better than mine. But I love you put in the notes. <laughs> Fuck this episode sucks. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's good though. That's funny. It was at that moment that I realized that there's nothing that's going to redeem this episode. Yeah, from the last time that I saw it. Um, just reliving the same, basically the same thing that happened earlier in the episode with Lazarus falling off. This time it was the other one, but he was saving Kirk, I think. So it just seems a little redundant to have it happen twice. But maybe Lazarus is a closet drunk as well. We that just could be. We just don't see that. That might save this episode for me. It's just thinking <laughs> that he's a closet drunk. I like it. Um. Back in sickbay, Kirk tells Lazarus that there is no planet where he said he was from and that there never has been a planet. Lazarus says he is from the planet that they're at now and that he is a time traveler. Lazarus has been chasing this monster through time, trying to save the planet from being destroyed. So there's two of him who are both time travelers from different dimensions. And which we learned from Discovery, you can't go through time and a dimension or it's going to try to rip you back. But right, he's fighting himself through time to try to stop the other version of him from altering the timeline, which later destroys his planet. Or probably, right. probably his planet in both dimensions, because why not just go to the good dimension? But, but yeah, this planet gets destroyed because the other version of him time travels. This is where I start getting very confused and lost as to what Lazarus is which. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, I'm thinking this is the negative one, the one that just felt that didn't have a bandage originally, yeah. fell off the cliff and is now in sick bay. But he's using the same, he's talking differently. He's talking calm, cool, and collected. And Spock brings that up later. Mm-hmm. But he's also still using the same words like the monster and having to save the world. And no, it seems like he knows the conversations that the other version of himself had with Kirk already. And I think that's just poor writing, mm. but yeah. I don't know if it's something more than that. 
that's probably the problem. I don't think the writers know which one's which now too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, to a point where they're just like, Lazarus is Lazarus. There's two of them. They're both bad, but they're both trying to stop each other from being bad. So they're going <laughs> to cancel each other out. Right. Maybe they both think that the other version of them, who's also a time traveler, destroyed their planet. So they're both trying to stop each other from destroying their planet. That's what I took from this episode was that they're both not, neither is good, neither is evil. They're trying to stop each other from doing the same thing. Yeah. This is a terrible episode. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's just uh, it's just bad, right? We don't see it kills me because we don't see this in other Star Trek. Not this bad. We've seen a couple rough ones, but this is just so clumsy. It just doesn't make sense. It's just I yeah. In the in the run order, I think they really must have known how good the city on the edge of forever is mm-hmm. to place this episode right before it. I don't think that was an accident. Yeah, I think they were trying to get this stinker out of the way before going to the the, the penultimate episode of the season. Yeah, which is the best one in I, my opinion. I probably would have stopped this episode like two or three minutes early. Just so you could play trailers for next week's episode in advance. <laughs> kind of like, hey guys, I know this is garbage. You don't even want to see the end of it. But let's right. go ahead and talk about next week's episode. It's going to be really good. Well, hell, at that point, they could have just done, like, scrapped this one all together and done like part one and part two of City on the Edge of Forever. True. And expanded the whole time that they were back in time, which it didn't need to be. It was, we're not analyzing that episode. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I just want to talk about that one. I know. Um, okay. Well, McCoy pleads with Kirk to leave Lazarus to rest as he's in a lot of pain. Kirk responds, sometimes pain can drive a man harder than pleasure, which is a good line. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. Not very pertinent to this episode because that really doesn't go anywhere. Because Immediately after McCoy and Kirk leave, Lazarus gets out of his bed and tries to escape. <sighs> the phenomenon occurs again, uh, but this time it looked like the same Lazarus stayed like the Lazarus fought him off and he stayed here mm-hmm. and another phenomenon occurrence but oh wait no i just read the same exact line of my notes over again um <laughs> it seems that the the positive one couldn't take over the negative one again this time mm-hmm. i think <laughs> it's, um, hard. it's hard because in their little fight you can't tell which one's which you can't tell who's right. winning and it you're and now they've both fallen off cliffs and have Injuries. Like, injuries on their faces. and ha- Yeah. 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 So, they, yeah. I, I, now I get why, like, other aliens are, like, different colors or, you know, have <laughs> yeah. major distinctions, big, you know, stickers on their forehead or whatever, because right. this is not easy to tell these two apart. Or they all wear, like, very, very signifying uh, uniforms. Like, all Klingons in the original series wear that, that one uniform. All Romulans wear that weird helmet. Where's his goatee? Isn't the negative one supposed to have a goatee or facial Didn't hair? They both. I oh they both yeah. Did. So they should have shaved. God, imagine how hard that would be. The <laughs> film all the negative version scenes and then shave him and then film all the all the positive one scenes. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be hard. Yeah. And then probably just use a like a paste on yeah. goatee or something at that point. All right. Um, Spock and Kirk discuss this, the situation some more. They come to the conclusion that the radiation is coming from another universe or dimension, mm-hmm. occupying the same space at the same time. How, did they explain how they came to that? Because I lost interest in this episode by this point, so I wasn't paying that close of attention. Yeah, I don't. But it seem, 
I don't think they explained how that is. They just tried to say, oh, yeah, this is this is what's going on. But two universes occupy, occupying the same space, like, doesn't happen. But two dimensions within the same universe, cannot, you know, they overlap each other, right? Right. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the sci-fi series that you're watching at the time. But yeah, yeah you would think that they could. It's like a positive I, and negative. Like two different universes would collide if they came together, just like two planets. But right. if two different, I mean, collide as much as vast distances of space with rocks in between the wood. <laughs> but dimensions are overlaid, just like time is overlaid on space. Dimensions are overlaid on space and time. So you can have, you know, this, I think instead of being multiple universes, is better explained as multiple dimensions. dimensions. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that they cared enough to make a distinction between the two at this point. That's true. Yeah. And it, it, sci-fi hadn't explored the differences between them yet. This is right. kind of pioneers. Yeah. That's a good way to look at this is it's kind of like the first foray into alternate universes. Mm. And I, 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 Doctor Who, I'm guessing, did something similar prior to this, but there, ha- there wasn't very good sci-fi before Star Trek with the exception of Doctor Who. So, I doubt that multiple universes have been talked about on TV very much before this episode. Yeah. And really probably not enough for the general public to understand anything about what you're talking about if you were to mention it. So, right. They definitely that's why simplify stuff. And in the scene next, uh, Kirk breaks it down pretty, pretty well. He says uh, he asked about what could happen if a minus universe comes into contact with a positive universe. Mm-hmm. And what I was calling the negative zone where they were spinning around and fighting slowly. I was calling it the negative zone. I guess I perceived that pretty literally because they call it the negative dimension or the negative universe at that point. Yeah. And it's just literally negative exposure of their light. In the video. Which, is, which is weird because that's not even the other universe. That's just what uh negative Lazarus calls the safety valve. Yeah. In between the two universes. Yeah. Well, we're almost to the end. We're almost to that point. <laughs> Kirk and Spock put all the pieces together that there are two versions of Lazarus. One's calm, cool, and collected. The other one seems out of his mind. Mm. Uh, Spock tells Kirk that Lazarus, or Lazari, <laughs> I don't know how to pluralize the Lazarus. Lazaruses, <laughs> um, must be stopped or potentially destroyed. If they meet, they could cancel everything out of existence. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, Thanos-level stuff right there. Yeah, so they could well, be in that, that two buffer Thanos's, zone. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> two Thanoses from different dimensions collide by punching with their gauntlet together. And each of them takes out a separate half of the universe. Yeah. So everybody just ceases to exist. Nice. Um, in, in a corridor somewhere on the ship, Lazarus opens an electrical panel and causes it to short, starting a fire in engineering, which I actually, I really liked the... Uh, I, I didn't like the panel that he opened because it was just like a lint <laughs> trap or like yeah. a garbage chute door or something. Old school fuse I, box. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did like that they uh, that he was able to cause a short like that. And the, the visual effects of it were very, yeah. they were good for this episode. So. The only thing I didn't like was the their attempt to like, let me fix it real quick. And the lady's just turning knobs like, oh, well, we got to get this to work. <laughs> and just, just keep twisting the same knobs different directions. It's like, what? what open the panel find where's the fire where's your extinguisher come on you guys have training in this right. yeah they do a lot better about this in uh the next generation and going forward like they'll actually <laughs> use like fire extinguishers really quick or 
fire suppression units or whatever really quick and then try to hit different buttons, not just turning the same four knobs back and forth to right. try to cause the fire to go out. Jeez. Uh, Lieutenant Masters and the other crewmen evacuate engineering as Lazarus enters. Presumably he's entering to steal the remaining dilithium crystals. And this is this is positive Lazarus at this point. Because mm-hmm. negative Lazarus had the original two. This is why this episode sucks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can't. Dis- I can't. The Lazarus that didn't have dilithium crystals goes to engineering now to steal the dilithium crystals. <laughs> okay, the Lazarus escapes to the transporter room, knocks out the transporter operator, and beams himself down to the planet with the crystals in hand. Kirk is in pursuit. Mm-hmm. It seems odd to be able to have enough time to run up to the panel, start the transport process, and then run over to the pad. But we see it in the next episode as well. Yeah. It just, it seems weird to me that that is able to happen. Because it seems like something in later show, uh, versions we don't see, I don't think, where they can right. set it, they can uh, like voice activate it, they go stand on the pad and tell the computer to energize, Yeah, but not push a bunch of buttons and then jump onto it real quick. I don't know. Maybe because they had voice activated computers in the 23rd, 24th century. They didn't in the 23rd century, so they figured there might be a time when someone would have to beam themselves somewhere, so they put a, they built in a delay. That's bad sci-fi, because we have voice-activated computers right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how dare you, 1960s, for not knowing that. Right? You guys suck. <laughs> uh, Kirk is in pursuit. I already said that. Lazarus installs a crystal in his ship. Hmm. He says, run, run, I'll get you now. Uh, Kirk approaches Lazarus. As he's starting to bend into Lazarus's ship, uh, Lazarus yells, no, not you. And Kirk is zapped away. Presumably, Lazarus was setting this trap for his monster is what I thought at the time. Mm-hmm. It turns out he was setting it for himself to go through at will, which is also weird. But neither here nor there. Uh, Kirk is now in the negative zone. Oddly enough, not with a different version of himself, which I thought was kind of the case of what would happen or what should happen following the logic or lack thereof of this episode. Yeah, you would confront your negative self and he has a chance of defeating you and taking your place in the positive world. (laughs) Right. Uh, The blink occurs again and suddenly Kirk is back on the planet, but now it is nighttime and Lazarus's ship is undamaged. Negative Lazarus approaches Kirk. He's calm, cool, collected, and enlists Kirk's help to stop the other Lazarus from crossing over at a time of his own choosing, which could end both universes. So presumably, if positive, if positive Lazarus was to cross that threshold at a time of his own choosing, Hmm. then he would be able to go to the negative universe without fighting the other version of himself, and they would both meet outside of the safety valve. Yeah. And that's how the universe, both universes, would be destroyed. That's what I understood, too. Kind of. Okay. If, if, if you can call this understanding, but yeah. Right. They could both, I guess that would... They could sorry. both meet in that buffer zone, in that safety valve. Right. And one can go one way or the other, but they can't both go to one dimension or universe. Right. And I guess that's why Kirk didn't meet a, ver- a different version of himself, because he went through the threshold that would have also made it possible for Lazarus to not meet the other version of himself in that safety valve. So I guess that makes sense. I just logicked my way out of that plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. yeah. 
the negative dis- the, the negative zone is described by this version of Lazarus as a negative warp where both universes meet. Or sorry, that the the zone where they're fighting, not that universe, mm-hmm. describes the the negative zone, yeah. Um he call, that's where he calls it a safety valve and that's why I've been referring to it as a safety valve this whole time because mm-hmm. I couldn't think of anything else to call it rather than other than the negative zone which works for me but yeah. uh, calm Lazarus explains that the other Lazarus lost his mind when they discovered each other's universes and that mad Lazarus couldn't live knowing that the other version of himself exists consequences be damned so that's Kirk basically asks, so you're the monster. And Lazarus responds, yes, Captain, or he is, depending on your point of view. Which is hard to say in a voice that's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) I had to get a little Star Wars in there, but from a certain point of view. Right. Calm Lazarus plans to, or negative Lazarus, whichever. Calm is the negative. God, I'm so, I'm confusing myself. I'm confusing myself, (laughs) but ladies and gentlemen, we're so close to the end of this episode, and it's not going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> Calm Lazarus plans to have Kirk send Mad Laz into the corridor while Calm Laz is there. Then Kirk is to destroy Mad Lazarus's ship, which will somehow destroy Calm Lazarus's ship as well. They will both be trapped in the negative zone safety valve mm. for eternity. So from this, I think that clarifies the fact that Calm Lazarus is the one talking to Kirk. And Calm, is he's the one that also didn't have the cut on his head. Right. So he's got to be the good one because he's willing to sacrifice himself into this buffer zone of the, into the valve forever with the crazy Lazarus to prevent either of them from destroying the universe. Right. So, so the Calm one is the good one. It's that the, the crazy one, the frantic one, was the one that they met first. And he was trying to explain that the Calm one is the, the bad guy. Right. Yes. Trying to destroy everything. And maybe he thinks the same. Maybe he thinks the calm one's also trying to destroy everything. But in the end, the calm one is the one sacrificing himself to, to stop them both. Right. And he says that's a, a very little price to pay to save two universes, which is very, uh, very enlightened of him. And Kirk understands and goes with his plan, crosses back over. Um, Kirk and Mad Laz have a, I, I call them Mad Laz and Calm Laz at this point because it's just so much easier to type. Nice. Um, they have a very awkward fight, not in the negative zone, but in the main universe yeah. dimension that the, where Kirk came from. Yeah. <laughs> on the surface of that planet or on, his, on Enterprise? This was on the surface of the planet next yeah. to Lazarus's ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirk shoves the um, ends up shoving the madman through the corridor. Mission is successful. That fight was probably the worst hand to hand fight <laughs> scene of any Star Trek in existence. Yeah, I could be wrong. This might be this might be uh, Mad Kev coming out here. And as but... <laughs> much as people give give grief to uh, the Zorn and that whole battle, the Gorn, Gorn, yeah, uh, there are Zorn somewhere too. But as mu- as as much as they give him a hard time for that episode, this fight was so much worse. Short, yeah, but so much worse. Like, this is just, just ridiculous. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah, but it, I guess it wasn't any better or worse than the fighting that was going on in that safety valve with... True. With, we just didn't have the nauseating camera angles this and, time. 
how many times are you gonna like go hand to hand combat with somebody and neither of these guys has the sense to bring a weapon like pull pull, pull a knife <laughs> I mean, if if this is I mean fight dirty if this is for you know saving both universes how can you not one of you kill the other one in this buffer zone right and destroy the other version's ship or destroy both your ships if you destroy yours maybe it destroys his because whatever interdimensional pairing or something yeah that was the plan it was to destroy uh destroy the mad one's ship and that would in turn destroy the other one's ship in the other universe which i don't understand that but that was the plan and that's what kirk did he goes back up to the ship orders phasers to be fired and lazarus ship is destroyed causing both versions of lazarus to be in an eternal struggle mm-hmm. in that weird ass negative zone right. thing but so couldn't lazarus the good version hopefully stay on the planet and destroy the ship from off of you know destroy the ship and then the negative one would either stay in the buffer zone or in his dimension if the ship was destroyed while they weren't in it in the buffer zone yeah i i have no idea what the rules are <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like he, he's like well we'll we'll get trapped inside this bubble and then you go ahead and destroy it we'll be stuck here forever but it's like well if destroying it cuts off your access to that then just destroy it while you're both in your own dimension. But I don't know. It's... But then they they could build another one at that point. Oh, that's true. He has to either kill his other self or keep him there by being there. Yeah, okay. I would think that killing the other version of himself would be better, even if it killed him. Because mm-hmm. then he wouldn't have to be fighting this guy forever. He would just be dead. Yeah. Which I think would be better than fighting forever. but. And explain to like, you know, get an army on your side. Explain to Kirk and all of his people, hey, the other version of me is trying to destroy your universe. I'll go trade places with him and you keep him under, under you know, phaser fire or whatever. As soon as we trade places, I'll have a code word if it's me. But if it's him, shoot him right away. And then, right. then we'll be okay. I'll stay in his dimension. Yeah, I think the, uh, the noble sacrifice is a, maybe in their mind a better story and it needed some sort of redemption to be watchable. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I give it a D. It's a shit episode. I I couldn't give it a D minus because there was some good dialogue in the episode. And Spock is awesome, as he always is, coming up with the, the correct con- coming to the con- the correct conclusion, as always. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's it's a D. I'd love to give it an F, but I think I'm going to give it a D as well because Star Trek in the 60s is trying their best at tiptoeing into interdimensional stuff yeah. and things we've never seen before. So I got to give them props for, for trying, though this was very confusing and, and didn't make a lot of sense, but they tried. What did you think of the, like, what was the message or moral of the story for you? Uh the only thing is just in the end that you know sacrificing yourself for the greater good but even that was like kind of dragged in at the very end so right throughout the story there's there's not a cohesive message that i could you know pull out of it i kind of got as another episode about fighting your inner demons i i think because the name was lazarus it was trying to evoke the 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 picture of um resurrection like it was trying to evoke somebody thinking about lazarus from the bible resurrecting as a different person Mm -hmm. instead of as the same i i 
I, I don't know, because it's not obviously the same story that happened in the Bible, but it's, I mean, obviously nowhere near, but <laughs> it's, I think it was trying to talk about like redemption or resurrection as opposed to, I don't know. I don't know if it actually had, if it was just them trying to do interdimensional wobbly time space stuff. Yeah. New science. And yeah. that would make more sense. And that's what I thought. I thought they were trying to, you know, tell the story as in the beginning was that it was a uh, like dual personality disorder that he right. was two people trapped in one. And so he was switching back and forth. And now the good version of him has to, you know, pretty much kill himself to destroy the bad version of himself and make up for the bad things that he you know, feels he's done. But it wasn't really that because they're actually two different people in two different dimensions, two different bodies. And one of them, you know, just went crazy when he heard about the the dual dimensions and or dual universes. Right. And the other I, one didn't. But Your explanation would have actually made it a little bit better of an episode, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. If they were. <laughs> that, that's why I was, I was trying to justify like the bandage was there. And then the other one, you know, <laughs> didn't have the cut. But it's like, are they just changing? Is it all psychological? Is it just internal? And then when they, you know, go into that dimension, it's. You know, it's still an internal struggle that right. is out of phase or something. I don't know, but it's it's hard. I can't I can't fill all these holes. <laughs> this is a sinking yeah. boat. If it was more of a metaphorical battle inside his head, that would make sense with all the the, the weird camera shots and stuff like. Yeah, but it wasn't like. Yeah, it's literally I in a different dimension. <laughs> yeah, they just threw all that other shit on top of it just because, and it it suffered for it. Yeah. Oh, well. So there's there was potential for it to be a better episode. They just needed to spend more time figuring out the story they wanted to tell. I think they yeah. definitely rushed this one. Well, you want to close this out? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I'm sorry this was a terrible episode. Uh, if you did, yeah. like, it was fun to talk about this episode, though. So right. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed talking about this shitty episode. Exactly. Uh, if you liked it, don't forget to check us out on geekfreakspodcast.com. Check us out on all our social media. Uh, send us in questions. If you guys have a question you want us to read at the beginning of the episode, we love it. That's what our most of our questions come from uh, our audience now. Um, if you just have a question on how we do what we do or production setup, let us know. We'll, we'll be happy to talk to you about it. And uh, join us next week for Season 1, Episode 28, The City on the Edge of Forever. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about that one. But we until then. We should have stopped a few minutes ago and just started talking about that episode. Get everybody hyped <laughs> up for it. <laughs> it's a good episode. Stay tuned next week. Yes. <laughs> All right. Until then, transporter room, two to beam up. Hey there. I'm Kyle. My name's Kevin. And we are Pushing Buttons. Pushing Buttons is a video game podcast that we talk about pretty much anything to do with video games that we want to, and we ramble a lot. Well, Kevin, it's more than just that. There's so much more to our content. Well, yeah, we kind of go into a lot of our own experiences. We differ a lot with our experiences and our opinions, so there's a lot of back and forth pushing buttons to be done there. Hence the name of the show. It's on the Geek Freaks Network exclusively. And you can check us out each week on Wednesdays. 
Yeah, if you want to join in on some video gaming goodness, uh, look for it on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Give us a follow, and every week we'll be in your inbox. We'll see you there.